We're talking about heaven and hell. And so everybody say with me real loud, say, heaven, yes. Hell, no. Let's try that one more time. Say, heaven, yes. Hell, no. Well, that's what we're talking about this morning, even the flashing lights. Well, first, we're going to look at Revelations 24 and 4. I'm going to talk about heaven first, just a little bit. Um, Revelations 21, 4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. No more death, no more sorrow. Great joy in heaven. It's coming. No more getting old. No more waking up with our joints hurting. We're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to be like Him. That's heaven. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, Every uh, eye have not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. You know what it means? It means that it blows your mind. You can't even sit down. I mean, even if you watch all the crazy movies, I, I, there, you could get a whole team of creative people together. You can't even imagine the greatness and the goodness that God has for those who are believers and trust in Him. Uh, it, that's why we're faithful every Sunday. That's why we come, not because we love Him, but also because God is going to bless us. Because He loves us and cares for us. Everybody say, heaven yes. Heaven yes. And hell no. hell no. Don't you like the effects today that they have here? <laughs> well, the reason why I want, to look, I want to look at this is because in the church, there's some negative things happening. And in America, Pew Research says that only 58% of people in America believe in hell. Only 58%. 69% of churchgoers believe that everyone will go to heaven. That's called universalism. And the movie The Shack promotes universalism. Everybody doesn't get to go to heaven. There's a book out that Love Wins, Rob Bell, that says ultimately everybody gets to go to heaven. But guess what, Rob? You didn't read the rest of the story. God is a just God. Yes, it is so easy to go to heaven if you'll just believe. That's all. You don't have to do anything. You can't work your way to heaven. You just believe on the work of Jesus Christ dying on the cross at Calvary. Confess that you're a sinner and believe on Him. That's how. But those who do not have Christ will not go to heaven. 52%. By the way, I want to tell you, if you believe this way, you're not a Christian. You do not believe the Word of God. If you believe there's other ways to heaven, you believe that there's other saviors. Which brings us to the next part. 52% of all Christians believe that non-Christian faith can lead to eternal life. That's called pluralism. In our society, they will say, there are many ways to heaven. And in your mind right now, if you believe there are many ways to heaven, you are not going to be there. According to Scripture, not according to Pastor Bob. In the pulpits in America today, people are embarrassed. Heaven's gates, hell's flames. They want them to come. They want to talk about heaven only, but they don't want people to talk about and know about hell. Everybody say, heaven yes. Heaven, yes. Hell no. Yes. Say it again. Hell no. Yes. 
Hell no. We got these sissy pastors in the pulpits. Milk toast won't stand up for what's right. They're embarrassed to preach the word of God. They're embarrassed to stand up for homosexuality. I, pushed, I published my sermon on an AG website with pastors. I got vehemently attacked. Because I've stood against homosexuality because the Bible teaches it, not me. Standing for God's truth. And then last week we talked about Timothy, that the elders of the preachers of the church are to be guardians. We're to be shepherds. We're to guard the flock. And that means when we see false teaching, and people don't like to hear that. When I say something to somebody about their beliefs, they don't like it because it's got that rebellious spirit. But that's my job as a pastor, to stand against Halloween, folks. Halloween is not a Christian holiday. It is inviting the devil into your lives. And when you find your kids struggling with drugs because pharmacia and the occult are directly, directly connected in the Bible. Pharmacia, drugs, and the occult. So, so when you're dealing with the occult, I see people posting pictures of their kids with a Jason mask on. That's a mass murderer. And, you're, and you think it's cute or funny? People have uh, going to churches and dressed up like vampires. Dressed up like witches. My neighbor calls herself a witch. I mean, I mean, calls herself a Christian and dressed like a witch. Don't have anything to do that which is evil. Even the appearance of evil. And you could get mad at me. I don't care. You're going to stand for God for you putting your kids in those outfits. And I'm going to stand for God for preaching the truth. Boy, I got off the quiet in here. I'm just I'm telling you, I'm, I'm helping you out. Do you believe the devil is real? Yes. No, come on. Do you believe the devil is real? Yes. The Bible says he is our enemy. And he is prowling to see who he may devour. And when you open the door, he will come in. And the moment you start dealing with the occult, you are opening yourself up. You're removing yourself under, from under the protection and provision of God. And you're putting yourself out in the open. And as a Christian, I'm going to tell you, he is going to come in like a flood. In all things, pornography, not just all kinds of things. Say amen or all me, Pastor Bobby. I was a youth pastor and I was asked to perform a, a, a funeral. I lived, in, I lived in Minnesota for a while, and in Minnesota this time of year, it, it's, they have, there's, there's all kinds of satanic occults open, in the, open, open. They put their coven marks on the roads everywhere to show you how to get to their coven meeting. One mile from my house, they were sacrificing animals. I personally saw the carcasses thrown in a cistern. I videotaped it. I was fasting, getting ready to go to the Philippines. The Holy Spirit rose up inside of me. No one lived there. The Holy Spirit rose up inside of me. And I commanded the house to burn. I went to the Philippines. When I came back, it was burned to the ground. We as Christians just can't play around with the occult. It's real. We don't want to mess around with that. But anyway, I was asked to do a funeral. And the parents asked that at the funeral, they wanted to play the song, Highway to Hell. At the teenager's funeral. Because he loved the song. And I thought to myself, what? What an idiot. What poor parenting. To celebrate the fact. Because obviously if you're playing. Let me just read. This is just a little bit of the verses. Season ticket on a one way ride. Talking about to hell. Going down. Party time. And people are saying that they're going to party in hell. Oh, it's going to be a great time in hell. My friends are going to be there too. Yeah, I'm on the highway to hell. 
second verse part of it says, Hey, Satan, paying my dues, playing in a rocking band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on the way to the promised land. I'm on the highway to hell. One year after this album was released, Bon Scott died by choking on his vomit while being drunk. He's in hell. He's not on the highway anymore. Scientists have been studying this near-death experience. And, you know, we talk about heaven and hear books about heaven. And I think for the most part, if they don't line up completely with Scripture, that it's not true. It needs to line up with what the Word of God says. But I do believe people die. They see things. They come back. Melody had that experience. In March 1992, we find out that people have a hell near-death experience. Fascinating. Matthew Botsford was shot in the back of the head. And in utter, he says, this utter darkness enveloped me. As if thick black ink had poured over my eyes. It reminds me when I played football. First game against, uh, first play against Oldham County. We kicked off. Wesley Allison, Dusty Allison's uncle. We're following one another. He broke to the left. I broke to the right. I hit the guy. I broke all the straps on my helmet. I cut myself in the forehead. When I took my helmet off, the blood rushed in my eyes. I cried like a baby. Because I thought I went blind. Because I saw double vision when I pulled my helmet off. Instantly I was blind in total darkness as the blood rushed in my eyes and filled my eyes. I laid on the field and screamed out for my coach. Coach Roberts, I'm blind. I can't see. <laughs> but there'll be no one to answer that call when you go to hell. People will call out for Jesus when the ink covers their eyes. And there will be no one there to hear. No one there to respond. Utter darkness enveloped me as thick black ink had been poured over my eyes. He later described being hung over an abyss and heat coming up. In 2005, our professor Howard Storm died during emergency surgery. Viciously attacked by demonic creatures, he says. He began to pray to God, only, only provoking the angry creatures. They screamed at him, there is no God. And they spoke the most obscene language, worse than any blasphemy ever said on the earth. And then there's George Ritchie who died for nine minutes in the army hospital. Everywhere spirits were locked in what looked like fights to the death, writhing, punching, gouging. Even more hideous than the bites and kicks they exchanged were the sexual abuses many were performing in feverish pantomime. Perversions I had never dreamed of were being vainly attempted all around me. Can I say, can you say with me, heaven, yes, come on, and hell, well, come on now. Can you help me out? Come on. Heaven, yes. Hell, no. All right. We think about hell. Hell was not created for humanity. Originally was hated, created for Satan and his demons. Those who now in this life, listen, you're going to live forever either in heaven or in hell. For eternally. Our spirit men, is, our spirit men are eternal. They're going to live forever either in heaven or eternally in hell. And when we sin, we are eternally separated from God. God can't allow sin in his presence. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, it set on the course that man was now separated from God. And the only way that we could have that relationship rebuilt was through Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke about hell more than any other, other subject. I'm sorry, that's not true. In Scripture, Jesus spoke more about hell than any other author. Twelve times 
Jesus, in explicit language, talks about hell. Eleven of those times, he uses the term Gehenna. Everybody say Gehenna. Gehenna. Now you know some Greek. Go Gehenna. Gehenna. Look at the person next to you and say Gehenna. 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 <laughs> the valley of Gehenna is a valley south side of the city of Jerusalem. During the reign of many wicked Israel, Israel kings, they built the altar to the Canaanite god Molech where they would offer up their sons to the God in the fire. But during King Joash, they took over the valley, they destroyed the altar of Molech, and it became a, a, a garbage dump. So they would dump all their garbage, and any animal carcasses or bones would be thrown there. Any dead animals or diseased animals would be thrown there. Any wicked that died by execution or any other means would be thrown there. And Jesus used it 11 times. Now see, when we talk about it, it's sanitized. See, when you go overseas, uh, we went on the garbage dump in Guatemala, on the garbage dump in Mexico. In Mexico, we had 50 kids. We're walking on the garbage dump. Thousands, 20, 30,000 people living on the garbage dump, building their houses on top of garbage. I had 50 teenagers, and as we're walking through, not a single word is spoken. So you know if teenagers aren't talking like they are right now, you know they're not talking, something really special is going on. Between the stench and the unbelief that people live on garbage and live off garbage, 50 kids, tears pouring down their faces, sobbing as they walk on the garbage dump and the smell. When we took pictures and got back, I was like, no, this does, I don't even want to show the pictures because it does not even come close. It's sanitized. It doesn't even come close to the smell. And this Gehenna, this garbage dump, would have had rotting animals and rotting human flesh. The smell would have been unbearable. On top of that, the garbage would spontaneously combust. And, and continually fire and smoke. Eleven times Jesus used this illustration. Now I like to fish. Even though nobody invites me to go fishing. I don't have a boat. I'm thinking about it simple here maybe. But anyway. Uh, so, so I like to fish. So I went fishing with someone. And we had these big fat maggots. There's a cup. It had a big fat. I'm talking big fat maggots. I had nightmares about them. I mean, I pull them things out, and you can hear them scratching in the cup. Yeah. Kind of like scratching. Yeah. One time in my backyard, we had an animal die. And I happened to move it to where the garbage area was, but I didn't put it in the garbage. The next day, I came back, and it was filled with maggots. And the skin was crawling. The animal was moving. Eyeballs eating out, coming out of the mouth, eyes, nose. I mean, it was just... An interesting sight. Jesus ain't playing around when he uses this illustration of Gehenna as hell. A place where the worm will never die. Ever, ever, ever die. Number one in your notes if you're filling them out. Hell is a place of complete darkness and intense pain. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Blackness of darkness. I went to Mammoth Cave one time and they turned the lights out. You could have poked yourself in the eyeball and you wouldn't have seen it coming. 
Listen, it's not only bad that there's going to be worms there and other demonic forces there, but it's going to be completely dark. How is it going to be fire and darkness? I don't know. Maybe they turn the lights on, then turn the lights off. Turn the lights on. I don't know. But what the word says is true. Complete darkness. This one guy talking about this black ink rolling over his eyes. Darkness forever and ever and ever and ever. Matthew 8, 12. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into our darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping. The word here really isn't strong enough for what it really is in the Greek. It is a strong word of wailing. Of people in pain under torment. Screaming for mercy. Pastor Bobby, I don't like to hear it, but you need to hear it. Because if you're born again and you catch a glimpse of what hell is, maybe you'll be more apt to go save people from that. Your friends and family members, you can picture them in the flames of hell crying for help. Why didn't they tell me? Why didn't someone warn me? Why didn't they invite me to church? Why didn't they share the gospel? They work with me day after day after day. How come they didn't shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my dark space? Gnashing of teeth. I'm going to go like this. But it'll be in such a way that the teeth would shatter. It means to grind your teeth and the pain and the suffering. Well, Pastor Bobby, I don't like to hear about this. It's in Scripture. You need to hear about it. We don't want to hear about this. Heaven's gates, hell's flames, goes to churches. They don't want to hear about hell. They just want to hear about heaven. But the gospel isn't complete without the hell side. We don't want to hear about it. We want to sanitize it. We want to feel good about ourselves because there's people dying around us. And it makes us uncomfortable, but they're going to be uncomfortable if we don't. Do something about it. Weeping and nasty. Number two, hell is where the worm never dies. I don't know what kind of worm it is. It's probably some type of supernatural thing that we don't even want to know about. Thank God that we don't have to ever experience that. Mark 9, 47. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Look at me just a second. Jesus is not saying to pluck your eye out. But he's saying that if it was between hell and plucking your eye out, pluck your eye out. If you're looking at pornography, it is better that you pluck your eye out and go to heaven than not and continue in pornography. Can I get an amen, Romy? It's the severity of sin in our lives. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two. To be cast into hell fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's an experience that I don't want to ever have. 
Did you ever watch that show where they put maggots in someone's skin? They had an infection, so they put maggots in there to eat the dead flesh. And not, ain't ever going to happen. Cut it off. Just cut it off. I'll be fine. We're not doing that. And if it's in my head, maybe not. Hell or Hades is a place of torment and unquenchable fire. Torment and unquenchable fire. Here's a true story. And there's going to be people that say, oh, that's not true. But listen, I believe every word that's in the Bible. I believe this is given as a true story and I believe it's true. And it's the story of a rich man and Lazarus. I'm not going to tell you all of it. But basically, the rich man walks by Lazarus all the time. And he does nothing for him. And Lazarus basically dies and is taken to heaven by the angels. Uh, but it goes here. It says this. Talking about the rich man. Verse 21. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Now Hades before Christ died and was resurrected was in the center of the earth, or it is it's still in the center of the earth, but at this time there was two chambers in the center of the earth. One side was the bosom of Abraham, which we see where, where the, the, the beggar went, Lazarus went. The other side is Hades, hell. One side was flames, divided between it was a, a schism, schism or some, some type of a divider, and on the other side was the bosom of Abraham. When Jesus died, he descended before he ascended. And when he went down, he showed himself to the Old Testament saints. He showed, showed himself, he preached the gospel, and he took them to heaven. But now still in Hades are those who are without Christ, dying without Christ. A place of suffering, a place of torment, unquenchable fire. Let's look at Revelation chapter 20 verse 13 that should be in your notes. And this is what will happen with Hades in the very last days. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone who not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the book of life. Anyone's name. And even as we think about the play that's going to be... Going on, this will have understanding how important the book of life is. Everybody say with me, heaven yes, heaven, yes. Hell, no. hell is described as a place of everlasting destruction. Everlasting destruction. 2 Thessalonians 5 through 10. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So that's us. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Everybody say, do not know God. Highlight that, underline that. 
and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline that twice. Those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The problem with us evangelical churches, everybody look at me. As so we call people down to the altar and they say the sinner's prayer and they think that's all they have to do. They leave and they think, well, I, I prayed the prayer. It's more than a prayer. It's a life change. It's following Jesus every day. It's obeying the gospel. If you came down and you think you got fire insurance and you walked away and you're not following Christ and reading your Bible and serving him and obeying the gospel, you I would be very I would be very concerned. God is a judge, he knows. I don't, but I wouldn't be want to be in that position. Verse number 9. There shall be punishment. They, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Forever and ever. The word here, destruction, is also devastation, annihilation, and obliteration. Forever and ever. Devastation, annihilation, and obliteration. How does that work? I don't know. But that's what it says. And I don't want to be in that position. Number five. The final place of punishment is the lake of fire. See, after the millennial reign, after the millennial reign, which you and I that are believers will be ruling, with reigning, ruling and reigning with Christ for 1,000 years here on the earth. Hallelujah. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus for 1,000 years. And at the end of the 1,000 years, then there's going to be a judgment. Revelation 20.10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne. That's what we call the great white throne judgment. And him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. Somebody look at me just a minute. If you're waiting to be good enough to give your heart to Jesus, you'll never get there. It's a gift. You can never be good enough. If you're here this morning and you're feeling convicted about sin in your life, don't, don't walk away right now where you're sitting. Just God, first John 1, God, forgive me of my sin. If you're a Christian and you have issues in your life, God, forgive me right now. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to walk down on your knees. You don't have to come and spend hours in the altar. Just ask God to, First John 1, not God, forgive me of my sins. The Bible says he is faithful and just to cleanse us, which means it comes from catharized to pull the poison out. It's his work. His work in us. Book of life and the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, where there's worms and darkness, eternal destruction and torment. And there are three types of people here this morning. There are people here today that are born again. 
Everybody look at me. Please. Behold. <laughs> Behold. If you're here this morning and you know that you know, there's an assurance that comes with the relationship with Christ. Christ is formed in us and He continues to grow as we read the Word and we pray. Then there's another type of person here. And that's the person that you know you're going to split hell wide open. Today's the day of salvation. You say, well, God would never take me as I am. Well, listen, I was doing drugs and alcohol. I was the worst person on Murray State campus, and God took me. Well, Because will you humble yourself and give your life to God? And then there's those who think they're saved, attend church, and live a life of lawlessness. And they would call themselves good people. I'm a good person. I go to church. I tip God. I do the bare minimum. Those who tip God, you think that you're going to heaven. You say, well, where's that in Scripture, Pastor? That's right. All I got to do is pray a prayer and that's it. Well, this is here. listen here. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? There will be people who have prophesied in the name of the Lord that are not going to make it to heaven. Cast out demons in your name. Oh, on the outside, man, they were Holy Ghost, demon casters, chasers. Oh, we're chasing that devil. Going to split hell wide open. Almost came out today with a white suit with sequins on it. Oh, happy day. And done many wonders in your name. Don't be a sign chaser. Anybody that will call the Holy Spirit a bartender and say that God gets you drunk is not from God. It's the Antichrist spirit and is blasphemy. It's interesting. They'll start to preach and they'll fold their Bibles up after even not reading a scripture. And let's, let's get to the good stuff and start laying people out. Beware of the wolves in sheep clothing. I'm sitting in my guardian position right now. Wonders in verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. You who practice lawlessness. But God's love leads us to repentance. Romans 2, 4 says this. For those of you here tonight, today, you're not sure. Listen. It is God's love that leads us to repentance. Yes, there's a hell. But good news, there's a heaven. Amen. And his lo He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much He died to prove it. Yes, yes. And in your sin, He loves you. He knew before He went to the cross that you were the sinner that you were. Yeah. 2 Peter 3.9 2, uh, says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some have counted slackness, but is long-suffering towards us Long patience towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves you. He desires you to be in His presence. He desires you to come to know Christ. In the book of Acts, in chapter 16, it says, The jailer, after seeing the miracle of Paul and Silas, the jail doors were broke open, came in and he said, What must I do to be saved? says verse 6 chapter 16 30 through 31 and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved so they said believe 
on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. We'll stand.